Good morning, everybody. I hope everybody's doing well. Um, the first day after the Thanksgiving break. I'm having problems hearing myself. Maybe uh, I hope I'm on. Sorry about that. If you can't, I can't hear me in my ears here, so this may be an interesting uh, podcast. Sorry. November 27th, 2023. Hello. Had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you all did. Normally I have a bunch of Brazilians in my house or I end up going somewhere for Thanksgiving, but this year it was nice and calm and relaxing and um, sort of just hung out here with my wife and my two kids. I always cook all the dinner, so uh, I enjoy cooking. I will cook for two, three hours, four hours. If I'm making ribs or making, you know, something that takes a long time, no problem. I'll stay in the kitchen for hours. I will not wash dishes for five minutes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't wash the dishes. I don't know why. But um, it works for me and my wife. A lot of people in the chat this morning. Thank you for participating. Gray and Turf Nerd Lawn Care. Phoenix Lawn Care. Lush, Looney, Brady419. Good morning. Um, Looney says, looks like I've been busy uploading the podcast episodes lately. Uh, 46 available. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, thanks for reminding me. I almost forgot. Um, as you all know by now, I'm completely incompetent when it comes to um, internet computer stuff. Even my microphone this morning is not seeming to want to participate. But I think I finally figured out sort of how to do these things. What I was wanting to do was take some of the previous podcasts and break it up a little bit. Hang on, let me fix this mic. Things being ornery. Uh, what I wanted to do was like break up the content from like live shows into like more digestible pieces, but I had no idea how to do that. So I think I finally figured it out. I think I figured out like, I guess you got to download it and have a program to separate it out. Anyway, make a long story short is, um, yes, I, I figured that out and I'll, I'll be loading, you know, like just like whether it's three minutes or 20 minutes, but like just the topic or a question and answer that I've answered on the show, I'll try to load those as I have time to do it. So for example, if somebody asks me, well, the one today, uh, the one tomorrow is going to be about ammonium sulfate and urea. Somebody asked me about um, the advantages. And so I, I answered that question on a live show one day and I, and so I just snipped that question and answer out. I know you guys are probably all familiar with all this stuff, but I'm not. <laughs> okay. You're probably like, why is he going over this stuff? It's obvious, but it's not obvious to me. I don't know how to do it, but I, I finally figured it out. I think I figured it out. So instead of having to go and be, meander through all the live shows, if you wanted to find, hey, when did Travis say that? Or when did he talk about that ammonium sulfate question? Well, maybe it'll be a little easier to find now um, by by me clipping it out and just posting it as its own standalone 10 minute video or 20 minute video or whatever it is. So yeah, I look forward to that. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to do it. it. It, to be honest, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do it because <laughs> I, I don't know how to do it. I, I'm, you know, but I'm, 
you know, maybe it'll become easier for me, you know, but to, to do that takes a fair amount of time for me. I'm sure someone on here can do it in two minutes, but I don't know how to do it. So I'm, I'm, it takes me a long time to figure out how to post a clip of a live, of a live stream. So anyway, I'll be doing that as, as I can. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> um, what's going on this week? So this week, uh, my daughter's doing the, the end on Saturday and Sunday is the ice skating on the nutcracker on ice. So we got, we have, um, dress rehearsals on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then the show on Saturday and another show on Sunday. And I'm part of the people that bring the props on and off. I don't think I have to have any skates on. So I'll be helping on that area. So I'll be busy Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday doing all that stuff on the on the ice rink. Uh, to do yeah, if you're in Lexington and you want to go watch the uh, uh, Nutcracker on Ice, get a ticket, come on by. Maybe we can shake hands and say hello after the show because I'll be behind the curtain. <laughs> I guess the whole show. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah, I want to talk about this briefly. Last week or a week ago, I can't remember if I shared it with you all or not, but my son got in trouble at school for calling somebody some, he said some, used some language that was inappropriate at school, which is not like my son. <clears throat> he's, um, with his condition, he's not, he's not mean in any way. He's not vindictive or spiteful. He has other challenges, but that's not one of them. So I was, he, he got put in, um, what they call safe which is essentially an isolation from the other students, which shot, shot strange. It was strange. Anyway, he called the kid a name and very unusual. And uh, the other unfortunate disadvantage to Brandon, if you're listening in the future, <laughs> this is a good thing for you, even though it's, <laughs> it can be seen as a disadvantage, is he, he has difficulty um, saying things that are not true. He has difficulty lying. He doesn't, he knows... A little bit, he kind of, you can kind of see some behavior that's a little bit, he's learning some deceitful behavior, but he doesn't, he doesn't really know the repercussions of lying. So he just tells you what happened. And so when he came home, I asked him and he said, yeah, I said that. I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, you can't say that. Um, but then I went on and asked him why he said these things that were, were, were harmful, you know, to the other student. And he told me the other study, student has been bullying him for weeks. I'm like, oh, well that, and, yeah, and it took me a long, long time to get this information out of him. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but basically he was being bullied by this other student and he finally got fed up with it and he, he verbally lashed out at the student. Well, my son gets put in isolation and the administrator that called me told me this is what happened. And I said, do you, are you aware of Brandon's condition? And he had no clue. He had no idea. And once he eventually got the paperwork up while I was on the phone, he said, oh, he's autistic. I said, yeah, he's autistic. That's not, a, that's not an excuse for his behavior, nor is it an excuse to eliminate any sort of consequence for his behavior. But the consequence should be somewhat, um, it should somewhat account for each student's you know, condition. In other words, if a Down syndrome student was being bullied and the Down syndrome student lashed back out at the bully, you would put the Down syndrome student in timeout and in isolation? 
obviously not because physically it's obvious that that student has a has a disadvantage has a condition but with autism with autistic children it's not physically obvious all the time some some sometimes it is depending on what level of spectrum you're on but with my son it's not the administrator had no clue that Brandon was autistic and he put him in isolation and I told him I said I'm not a psychiatrist but the little bit I know about autism, having dealt with this now for four or five years, knowing he's autistic, the psychiatrists that I've spoken with across the board say that isolating an autistic student as a means of disciplinary action is not condoned. But they did it anyway. So anyway, um, I'm having to go into the school tomorrow. The reason I'm saying all that is because tomorrow's show I got to I got to start it a little bit early tomorrow, like probably 9:30. I may even start it at 9. I, I may have to start it at 9 tomorrow because I got to go to the school tomorrow and deal with some administration issues with my son and autism and disciplinary stuff and all that jazz. So, if you're an administrator listening to this, one person that has autism is not the same as the next person that has autism and one policy for disciplinary action shouldn't be the same across the board for every student, particularly when that student has already been diagnosed and has an IEP with a, with a particular condition. Looking at the standard operating procedure for the school and saying he did this, therefore we're doing that, is not, it's not a cookie cutter. The cookie cutter approach is not the wisest approach, particularly when you have students of such neural diversity. So consider that, please. If you're on a school board somewhere, or if you're on a, if you're a principal or an assistant principal or whatever, consider these children's um, condition. If if they have a condition, if they have a diagnosed condition, you can't simply just have a one size fits all for um, for this. And meanwhile, the bully didn't even get disciplined. <laughs> he didn't even get caught. <laughs> so, so once I brought it to the administrator's attention, hey, this child's been bullying. He actually asked the student. Were you saying this to, to, you know, my son? Were you saying this to the student? And the bully goes, yeah, I said that to him. And he goes, yeah, you can't, you can't do that. That's bullying. So who knows what happened? But they didn't even investigate whether or not the other student had some sort of, was, was you know, antagonizing the situation. They didn't even investigate that until I brought it to their attention that my son said he was being bullied. And then once he, when they investigated that, they go, yeah, he was being bullied. I'm like, yeah, he was being bullied. <laughs> let's, let's consider that. Nope. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to go in tomorrow and see if I can fix it. So tomorrow I got, I got an 11 o'clock meeting at the school, which means I got to, I got to start this at probably nine or nine 30 to get off and get to the school in time to have that meeting. So look for tomorrow to start a little bit earlier. Wednesday night, I have a guest author coming on at, um, 9 p.m. Eastern time. <clears throat> and then on Thursday morning at the normal time, 10 a.m. Eastern time, I have another guest author. So we have two guest authors this week, one on Wednesday night that you won't want to miss for sure. And then one on Thursday morning who you also won't want to miss. Um, going over, we're, we're staying on thatch. I have another Oh Lord, I counted them this morning. It's like 25 or 30 papers, but I'm only going to go over like the next eight, I hope, eight 
thatch papers. I'm thinking I can get the bulk of what I want to talk about with thatch done in the next eight papers, which means we'll be on thatch for the next two weeks. And two of the authors of two of the main papers will be on this week. So look forward to that on Wednesday night and Thursday morning. All right. Um, <clears throat> let's do this. Today, the paper we're going to be going over today is about minimizing thatch and mat development in a newly seeded creeping bentgrass golf green. This publication was in Crop Science in 2005. So this is, you know, the top tier journal. Well, I mean, there's other journals that are greater than Crop Science in terms of, you know, their prestige and their impact. But for the most part, for no, quote unquote normal turf scientists, Crop Science is what we aspire to publish in. There's two other journals, at least two other journals that are, um, you know, have a higher impact than Crop Science. I've never published in them because it's so difficult to get your, your journals or your papers in the, in those journals. But Crop Science is top tier. So if it's in Crop Science, I have a pretty good level of confidence. It's it's pretty high that whatever's in here is is pretty solid. Now, you know, as well as I do, I've gone over a couple, at least one paper um, that was awful in Crop Science. And it's a recent paper. It's in the last 10 or 15 years. It was the Phosphorus paper where they're talking about nothing happened, but yet they're saying do it. So there are some outliers that don't fit that description, meaning like, you know, it's a, they're usually very, very good papers and you should have a lot of confidence in them, but you still need to read them critically in order to have, to know what happened. Regardless, here we go. So we're going to be talking about thatch and this paper, they, it, this is a big paper. Okay. This was written by Burt McCarty, Matt Gregg, Joe Taller, James uh, Cambarato, I don't know James and Hoke Hill. I don't know Hoke Hill. I worked with Matt for six years or so, so I know him pretty well. I know I know Bert just as a as a peer. I don't I don't know him personally, but I know Bert. Um, so these are pretty good authors. This is my point. Um, Matt works for a fertilizer company. He's been working for them for twenty thirty year long, long time since he got out of college. He's kind of moved laterally here and there, but. He was a salesman for a long time and now he's working with some products and I'm not sure what he's doing today, but, um, pretty good guy and a pretty strong uh, paper he wrote here. So I'm going to get to it because this paper is, is long. I'm going to try to stay focused so we can get through this on the green part of the highlighted parts. So I highlighted some of the introduction just because, just in case anybody's joining us that hasn't joined before about, um, what I do here. We're going to be talking about thatch. We've been talking about thatch for a month or I don't know, two, three weeks. We're going to continue to talk about thatch for another week or two. Um, but for those who are just joining us, I go over these various articles and you may or may not know what thatch is and the, what the problem is. So let me get into the introduction and just briefly read through it. You can obviously um, down, you can go to crop science now and download the, um, I don't know if this is open access, but you can download the abstract. And if you want to actually read the entire article and download it, then you need to be a member of the crop science society of America. Okay. Thatch, a tightly intermingled layer of living and dead stems, leaves, and roots of grasses developed between the green turf vegetation and the soil surface. I'm going to show you a photo of this that makes it a little clearer to everybody. So we're talking about, you know exactly what I'm talking about between thatch and mat. It is formed primarily from periodical, periodically sloughed roots, intact fibrous roots, horizontal stems, stolons, and rhizomes. Those are above ground and below ground stems. Nodes, crown tissue, and vascular strands of stems and leaf sheaves. 
Okay, so let me show you exactly what I mean by thatch, because occasionally you'll hear the terms thatch and mat intermingled together, and they're two different things. So let me show you if I can get it on here. Um, not that yet. This. This is a photo taken from a, from a recently published book called Achieving, well, this isn't the book, Achieving Sustainable Turfgrass Management. I don't, this is the chapter in the book. Uh, but this was a book published here in the last month or two. And in there, this, this particular one's, this chapter is, I guess, about thatch. I don't know. But they have a nice little profile picture of thatch. And they have it outlined here pretty clearly. So when we're talking about thatch, we're talking about just this top portion between the upper portion of the mat and the beginning of the green tissue, beginning of the leaves. There's a section below the thatch that we refer to as mat. And that mat is an intermingled sort of, it's much more, usually much more dense material of organic material and some roots and all these things and soil combined, right? And then the original root zone is below that. So this kind of um, depicts or uh, this photo provides a little clearer, you know, explanation of what I mean by thatch and what we as scientists mean by thatch versus the mat. Okay. The mat generally will not have much of an impact at all on the, um, the growth and development of the new leaves coming up. But the thatch, particularly on zoysia grass and very tight mode putting greens, these leaves are going to come up from the, the new, the newly emerged leaves are going to continue to emerge and grow up through this. They have to come from the crown, uh, that which is down here. And if the thatch is so thick, those newly emerging leaves are going to have difficulty pushing their way up to get exposed to sunlight and water is going to have some challenges initially, if particularly if it's dry, getting through this thatch layer into the soil. So this is one reason why this thatch layer is such a challenge and such, or such a concern, I should say. We often talk about water movement through, but I've um, been seen many times where the leaf tissue emerging through that thatch is probably, uh, well, it is more of an important issue in some situations than the water movement through it. Okay, if the leaf can't get exposed to sunlight, that leaf's going to die, and you'll see large patches just continue to fade out, and it's due to the, the thatch preventing the new leaf from emerging through and being exposed to sunlight. Okay, so back to the paper. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about thatch. And he goes through here and talks about some of the difficulties and challenges. So thatch accumulation occurs when the production rate of organic matter exceeds the decomposition rate. Any climatic and edaphic or biotic factor that stimulates excessive plant growth or impairs decomposition of organic material contributes to thatch development. Mat is a brown to tan colored, tightly intermingled layer of thatch intermixed with soil. Okay. So essentially where there's soil, that's going to be a mat. Where there's not soil, but there's still all that tissue, that's going to be the thatch. That's the way they define it. Thatch contains a high lignin content that resists decomposition by blocking microbial degradation of the cellulosic cell structures comprising the lower thatch layer. Uh, we've talked about this in detail in the past two or three episodes, but for those of you who haven't, haven't listened to those yet, Lignin is the problem with thatch decomposition. Lignin is extremely resistant to decomposition. We, I, sh talked, I showed a, a brief periodical paper about white root fungi from some biochemists, I think it was. And they were talking about 
the white root fungi and the value of the white root fungi in the carbon cycle, the global carbon cycle, because the, the carbon that gets put into the lignin component of like wood, in this case, we're talking about turf grass, it's going to stay as lignin unless microorganisms like white root fungi are there to break that apart and begin the decomposition rate. And that's what we'll find in a lot of these papers is the microbial activity and the, and the bugs in the jugs and all these other products that you want to apply, the biological products, they don't do anything to thatch really unless they contain a component from the white root fungi. And it's usually a lacase enzyme that does the, that does the breakdown. Turfgrass species with high lignin and fibrous tissue contents are more resistant to decomposition. Martin and Beer from 75 noted that leaf blade clippings are low in lignin content and do not contribute to long-term thatch accumulation. So we, we haven't really gone into a great deal of depth on that, but we have mentioned it in the last several episodes that leaf decomposition is generally not a problem because it doesn't have a lot of lignin in it. And so when clippings, when you're cutting them off, if you think you're um, reducing the likelihood of thatch development by removing the leaves, you're probably not. It's probably insignificant because the leaf is going to break down really quickly. In fact, one of the selling points of the robotic mowers um, it, from, from the manufacturer early on, I don't know if they're still doing it, is, oh, we're, we're clipping the leaves much more regularly, and they're very, very small clippings that we're clipping off of these leaves, and it's going to uh, reduce the thatch buildup. And the whole time I was like, that's not a selling point. <laughs> One, it's not true. But two, you don't, you know, the, the leaf tissue is going to break down more likely than not. It's going to break down very quickly and it's not going to contribute to thatch development for the most part. You'll find a paper here or there that might show something, but for the most part, the, the bulk of the literature will, will say that leaf clippings, because they contain such a low lignin content, generally don't do much in terms of thatch development or thatch reduction depending on how you manage the leaves. It doesn't make much difference. Okay. The Minehold 73 paper concluded that clippings did not influence thatch dry weight, but significantly influenced the depth or thickness of the thatch layer. So there you go. There's an, like I said, you'll find a paper here or there that shows some things that might have an influence, but for the most part, it doesn't because of the, com the compounds that are in leaves compared to the compounds that are in the more fibrous uh, structures of the plant that contain a lot of lignin. A biological non-destructive thatch control study conducted by Lettebauer and Scogli. Now, remember, we've gone over this paper, guys. Don't forget. This Lettebauer and Scogli paper right here. We've discussed this paper. They examined applications of sucrose, glucose, and cellulose enzyme preparation, but they failed to affect the thatch decay. So this is just for scientists. Just, you know. Ignore this next couple of sentences because it's going to bore you to death probably if you're a normal person. Is that when they say failed to affect, that's the way you're supposed to say it. You, know, you can't say it didn't do this or it didn't do that because we don't, we don't ever accept the null hypothesis. We either reject it or we fail to reject the null hypothesis. And in this case, they say they failed to affect it. So just for my scientist friends, as if you want to get a be, be better at writing, that's the way you're supposed to write it. Good job. Matt. All right, back to normal speech. Murdoch and Bar 76 noted application of two commercial available microorganisms containing inoculum did not influence thatch decomposition in common Bermuda grass. Now, I don't, oh yeah, we did do the Murdoch and Bar paper, I think. I'm pretty sure we did. And it didn't influence thatch decay. So he's showing two prior studies that 
had biologicals in them that didn't do anything to thatch. The objective of this study was to evaluate the relative efficacy of several cultural, mechanical, and biological practices on controlling thatch mat accumulation in a newly planted L93 creeping bentgrass golf green. Okay, so there's going to be a lot of stuff in this paper. I'm going to do my best to kind of go over it, but there's a lot of combinations and all sorts of stuff. And, um, but it's, I, I, but I don't, I don't want you to get lost in it too much. I'll do my best to kind of make it layman's terminology. At the end, the conclusion is quite clear though. So, so if you're kind of getting lost in the language or it's a little bit too much for you, don't, don't fret. The conclusions will wrap it up nicely in this paper and we'll, we'll be able to walk away with something very useful today. Um, <clears throat> Okay, the materials and methods. This investigation was conducted from March 2001 to December 2003, so two growing seasons, on a creeping bent grass research green at Clemson. The growth meeting was an 8515 silica sand piece, so it was on a putting green in Clemson for two years. The creeping bent grass was seeded in October of 2000, so it was in October and it grew until March and they started the study. Bent grass plots were maintained as a golf course, uh, mowing daily at three or four millimeters and using preventative disease control programs with chlorothalonil. So it was, they treated it like a golf course, even though it was on a research center. We try to do our best when we can to uh, manage things according to the, to the industry that we're doing the research for. Obviously we can't replicate it exactly. We don't have, you know, 50,000 rounds of golf being played on the, on the research center, but we do our best to, to simulate, you know, what, what's going to occur. Okay. So here's the treatments. I'm just, Saying this, bear with me, okay? Which one of the authors was here? Maybe they could do a better job than I, I am going to do here, but I'll try my best to explain what they did. Treatments evaluated for controlling thatch mat were 18 factorial combinations in, of two levels of top dressing and nine levels of mechanical biological methods, plus a non-treated. So <laughs> there, there's a lot. Um, I've, I've vacillated on how to present this the most simple way, but I, I haven't ever, I haven't figured out how to do this in an easy way. So I'm just going to have to read through it. So top dressing was applied either twice monthly at 0.6 millimeters, whatever that is, is 10th of an inch or eight or whatever that is in inches or once monthly at twice that, that depth, 1.2 millimeters, which is whatever that is in inches. I don't even know. Let me see if I can figure it out. 25.4, So 0 0.04, 0 0.4 or four, four tenths of an inch. No, no, 0.4 inches. No, it's not 0.4 inches. It's good grief. That's Point two inches, I guess, is what it would be. So point one and point two inches as the depths that they applied top dressing. Ten passes totaling either point one or point two inches were made over the designated. I'm, I'm sorry if this if I'm doing the calculations wrong, the the, the trans the, the conversion wrong on that. Someone can do that real quick and post it in chat. Point six millimeters is how many inches? 
particle uh, was designated plot to achieve adequate uniformity. So they did it a bunch of times to make sure everything was uniform each time they did it. Particle size distribution. So they used the same particle size on the top dressing sand as they did as it was in the green. The mechanical biological thatch control method consisted of none or core cultivation or vertical mowing or grooming or a biological thatch control agent and three combination treatments using two or three mechanical methods, core cultivation plus grooming, core cultivation plus vertical mowing, core cultivation plus grooming plus vertical mowing and so forth. Okay. The untreated received no top dressing or mechanical biological thatch control methods. So basically the culture, the cultural methods, they had them individually and then they had a kind of uh, all the combinations. Well, I don't know if they had all, but they had most of the combinations of those cultural management practices as well. So that would constitute a single treatment. So core cultivation and grooming would be a single treatment. And core cultivation would also be a single treatment. And, and grooming would also be another single treatment. Two vertical mowing treatments differing in depth and frequency were applied with a commercial vertical mower. Okay, one, so I'm not going to go into all these details, but that's how they did the verticutting. One treatment consisted of verticutting to a depth of 6.4 millimeters on the 15th of March. So they did March, May, September, and October each year. The second treatment consisted of vertical mowing to a depth of 19 millimeters, so almost three, like three quarters of an inch, on the 15th of March, October. So they either did it four times a year or two times a year, and they did them at different depths vertical mowing grooming was performed twice weekly mondays and fridays with a commercial walk walk mower okay from april 1st to the end of september each year so you have to imagine i think this was matt's either i think this was his master's work that he did up in clemson you have to imagine though you got these plots out there you got 19 treatments or whatever it is and you got i don't know how many reps he's got three or four reps doing it for two years he's going to be grooming every monday and friday just on those plots, you know, and he's got a whole other set of other cultural practices. He's got to identify and, and keep track of on all the other plots. It's a lot of work. And, uh, you know, I don't want, I don't want that to go unseen or un, unappreciated, underappreciated is that to do all this work, to get, keep everything organized and keep everything on track and everything timed and, you know, understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and you know all these things keeping track of the data and, and all these things tremendous amount of work and um you know it's a it's a it's worth going over <laughs> i don't want this to sit on the shelf somewhere and collect dust it needs to be used by people like you guys listening core cultivation cultivation was performed with conventional hollow tines with a core cultivator with a tine depth of 76 millimeters, so uh, three inches. So three uh, time depth of three inches on three inch centers is what that looks like. Um, so that was the core cultivation. He goes through in more, more detail on some of that. I want to go into the biological thatch control products. Thatch X, a commercial product manufactured by Ocean Organics, was evaluated as a biological thatch control agent. According to the manufacturer, ThatchX has a fertilizer analysis of a 425 NP205 and K2O from spe specified feed grade organics, cold water, sea plants, fish meal, and alfalfa meal. It also contains selected microorganisms and other bioactive ingredients, in, in quotation marks, bioactive ingredients. 
designed to accelerate thatch reduction. Specific organisms, levels, and viability were unavailable because of the manufacturer's product content secrecy. Thatch X was applied at these rates in May and July each year with a granular shaker can. Plots were swept with greens, greens broom before application to open the dense turf canopy and permit granular particle penetration. And then it was watered in. Let's go look at Thatch X. And I remember the 425 analysis because it's going to be slightly different. On the next on this one but it's still thatch x they just changed it or whatever um so the do, 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 so the let me look here okay uh thatch x so i'm i don't know if this is the same exact thatch x because it says lebanon it says it was made by lebanon C seaboard corporation and the other one said um said it was made by ocean organics so emerald isle ann arbor michigan so i, I don't know i hesitate to even do this because i don't know for sure it does it does say emerald isle solutions at the top of this label so i'm assuming it's the same product or very close to the same product and i you know if it's not it's not and i'll i'll accept that so you know it is what it is, but I wanted to show exactly what we're talking about. The guaranteed analysis is a 422 on this product. Again, made by Emerald Isle Solutions. The other one was manufactured in Emerald Isle, um, Emerald Isle, oh, or Ocean Organics, Emerald Isle LTD. And I, so it is, it is Emerald Isle. So it's the Ocean Organics slash Emerald Isle. So this should be the same product, or at least the same manufacturer. And it should be very close to the same product. Because it does have the kelp meal, the fish meal, and alfalfa meal, just like the um, just like it says on here, it says on in the in the article it says uh, feed grade organics, cold water sea plants, fish meal, and alfalfa meal. So I'm gonna go because it says fish meal and alfalfa meal and kelp meal. I'm assume with this is correct, and if I'm wrong, someone can point it out in the chat and I'll pin it. Um. So when you read through here, it's kelp meal, fish meal, and alfalfa meal. And the reason I wanted to show this is you can read through this actual this whatever label or whatever this is, I guess it's a label and really nowhere on here. Do they actually say we'll reduce thatch, you know, we'll control thatch, whatever. They don't really say that. It just says for, you know, um, in use in conjunction with other cultural management practices, it says with an integrated program to help manage conditions that promote thatch buildup. So, Maybe they changed the label since, you know, this, the publication was done years ago. Who knows? But you can read through here and there's not like really any clear claims on the label. And, and I will say that we've looked at several papers that, that had biologicals in them. And none of them really did anything to thatch in terms of reduction. The ones that did anything, uh, would that, if you want to call it a biological, it's an enzyme called Lakase. That's going to show a reduction. We're going to have those two papers on Thursday and Friday, or uh, Wednesday and Thursday this week. We're going to see that there's a, the initial greenhouse study that we talked about a day or two ago. They took it out in the field and they still saw some beneficial results from that product, Lakase. There hasn't been any publications that show any benefit of kelp meal, fish meal, or alfalfa meal and thatch reduction. So when you're presented a product like Thatch X, 
It could be any product. And it says, again, they're not claiming this, but it says thatch X. You know, obviously they're, they're indicating that it's a thatch reduction product. And you read the guaranteed analysis, all you got to do is read it. Kelp meal, fish meal, and alfalfa meal. And it doesn't contain any derived from product that has been shown to reduce thatch. Therefore, you shouldn't be convinced that it does, unless they have any evidence that indicate that it does. Because we haven't seen any evidence at all that it does. So, again, if you're considering using products like this, and you're like, well, I have a thatch problem. I don't want to go out and airify. It's a problem. Maybe, maybe there's something I can do to reduce its accumulation. Just think through it critically. We, all, we, we, we haven't seen anything that would, would convince us to, 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 to use this as a thatch reduction product because it only contains kelp mill, fish mill, and alfalfa mill. Okay, those are just organic fertilizers. Okay, so I guess I'm trying to, I guess my point is, is that whenever we're thinking through these things and you're presented with claims and you don't know what's right and what's wrong and what's true and what's false, whatever, if you have a just a rudimentary basic background of the literature or where to go find it, you can very quickly start calling out these, these claims. You don't have to waste your money is what I'm saying. You can save a lot of money by having a basic knowledge of the system. And that is the only product that has consistently shown any benefit in terms of non-destructive thatch reduction or reduction of the rate of growth contains a lacase. This doesn't contain lacase. So there's a pretty good chance it's not going to do anything in terms of reduction. We don't know yet. We're going to look at the study, but just keep that in mind. Think, think through it critically, you know, and, and, and you should, you're probably going to be better off in terms of not being taken advantage of. But that was the biological control. That's what they use. Thatch, Thatch X. We're going to talk about a study that used a product called Thatch Less. Um, we're going to talk about, a. this was the first study that, that Bert and Matt did. They also did a second publication. This was on a newly seeded green. They did another study on an established green with the same biological. So we're going to talk about that maybe tomorrow. I'm not sure. We're going to see what happens when it's once it's been established as well. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it it did have an effect on thatch. That's the gene. That's there is very there's very little joy I get out of the turfgrass industry beyond reading scientific articles because how you how are you going to argue it this is what they found they published it you know they refereed pub, they refereed it and it got published and and the the study what they did in the established putting green on thatch x did show an effect it did show thatch, thatch x had an effect on thatch but it's not what you thought it would be so i'm going to show that either tomorrow or monday they'll see where it is in the pipeline Okay, uh, measurements. The treatment effects were assessed by measuring thatch mat, thatch mat depth and percent organic matter content, water infiltration rate, surface hardness, and visual, visual turf quality and ball roll. So remember, this is a putting green. So firmness and ball roll and quality are critical. So you can do whatever you want to to the thatch. You can remove it all in a day, probably, if you wanted to, if you had the, the necessary resources. But if, you, if you're affecting the ball roll or the firmness in a negative way that's beyond their acceptable limits, then it's, use, and it's pointless. Okay, so thatch mat depth and percent organic matter. Let's see how they did that. Thatch mat, thatch mat depth and percent organic matter content were determined from two soil cores per plot extracted on the 
middle of the March, May, September, and December each year, roots below the matte layer and foliage material above the thatch layer were removed. Thatch depth was measured on the uncompressed soil cores at two points. So that's, as we know from the uh, one of my papers, we talked about all the different ways of measuring thatch, and the thatch depth by ruler was a very consistent method, and that's what they did. Surface hardness was measured using a Clegg impact hammer. So if you haven't, um, or it says Clegg impact soil tester, it's more colloquially called a hammer. But anyway, a Clegg is basically, um, it's a tube. It's a long steel tube that there's a, there's a, I don't know how to, it's like a core, basically like a core inside that tube that has a long um, wire on it that measures, it's for the connection to the electrical component. Anyway, you drop it through that tube and it, and it hits the surface of the soil. And it measures the the force on, that it hit when it hit the soil in, in gravity. I think it's in gravities. Anyway, it gives you a very objective number on the how firm the turf is or how firm the soil is. So if you did it on concrete versus doing it on like you know um, like a carpet or a really fluffy material, that it, it would be it would very consistently tell you that the concrete is harder than the fluffy material. So make a long story short is it's a very accurate and very uh, um, normal way of measuring surface hardness or firmness. Infiltration rate. Infiltration rates were evaluated with a double ring infiltrometer. We've talked about that in the past where you have two metal rings in the field. It was short of pulling the core out and going to the lab and measuring infiltration, which you know I would argue is more accurate. But it takes a lot of work and a lot of time. They use a double ring in the field and they put it in. They measure the, the water flow from the middle of the ring. I think it actually says that water was filled to the top of the infiltrometer and following steady, and following steady state of flow, infiltration rates were recorded as water vacated the center ring. That's how you do water infiltration in the field. Turf quality. Visual turf quality ratings were on 1 to 10. Very simple. They don't say the minimum acceptable limit, but 1 to 10. Ball row distance uh, is, is important. Ball row distance was determined each year, 7, 14, 21 days after the treatment. So ball row distance, for those who are not in golf, the way we do ball row distance was, the, was with, a, um, uh, with a long steel rod, basically, called a stimp meter. There's other things called, uh, there's other ways to do it too. From There's one called the Cardi, no, it's called the, um, I can't remember. Anyway. You, you you put a golf ball on this long. I have one in the basement. I should have brought it up here. It's a long metal. Uh, I don't know, not a pipe, but a piece of steel or aluminum. Anyway, the ball sits on, it and as you tip it up, the ball will will eventually roll down that stem meter, that metal sleeve. As you get to it a, a height, and then when that ball rolls down, you measure the distance that it rolls, going one direction, and then you, wherever the ball goes, you turn around and roll it the other direction. And it gives you an idea of the distance. So when you hear a, it gives you an idea of the speed of the ball, the speed of the green. When you hear like it's stimping at 12, what, it, what they mean is it's 12 feet. It, it rolled one way 12 feet and it rolled the exact, uh, the exact opposite direction 12 feet. Or it rolled one way 14 feet and the other way 10 feet. You take the average of the directions that it rolls to come up with the stimp speed of the green. It gives the golfers an idea of like, how far the ball will roll once they hit it. Very, very important for putting greens. Um, 
so we're going to get into the results. Before we get to the results, let me go back up to the treatment table. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it like this on the screen for those watching. I will try to my best to describe it. So the treatment table is table two, the timing, time depth, tine depth, diameter, and spacing of thatch management treatments used on newly seeded nine, L93 creeping bent grass golf greens. So they had an untreated, then they had top dressing, and then the top dressing they did twice monthly or monthly. Then they had vertical mowing twice yearly, vertical mowing four times yearly, core cultivation four times yearly, grooming twice weekly, and then they had the biological thatch control agent, which is they applied in May and June. Okay. And they have these different depths and diameter spacings and so forth for the treatments that are that it's pertinent to. And then they had the combinations. So they had like core cultivations plus grooming, core cultivation four times annually versus twice weekly. And they just had a lot of different combinations. Okay. But that's the gist of the treatment setup. I'm not sure why they used effectoral design. Maybe they effectoral designs are only generally useful when you have two known linear variations in the setup that are perpendicular to each other. So when you do a factorial, you're pulling degrees of freedom out of the error term and you're putting it in like the row and then you're doing pulling degrees out of the free out of the degrees of freedom out of the error term again and you're putting it in the column. And the intention behind that is is to account for sufficient error in the row or the column. So if you don't have a row significant effect or column significant effect, then you just wasted all your degrees of freedom and you reduced the power of your study for no reason. I'm not sure why. Generally, factorials are, like I said, I'm, they, may, they must have had two known linear variations that were perpendicular to each other. I'm not sure why they did that. It's not not particularly common, but it's it's perfectly valid design. Nothing wrong with it. Anyway. Uh, let's borrow this. Okay, so now let's look at the results a little bit. Um... Yeah, good morning. Uh, just real quick before we get to, good morning. So, oh, Super TA is here. Good. Jeremy Bosch, good morning. Polo Fields. I, you know, I don't know if you feel comfortable, Polo, but I saw, I was watching one of my other streams from, I don't know, a month ago or whatever. And I thought you said, I thought some, either you or someone else said that something about Louisville. So I thought, I got the impression that you live in Louisville, which is super close to me. I, don't, I didn't, if, I don't know if that's true or not. If you feel comfortable, maybe wrote in the chat, but, um, I don't know if you and I have met, but I think I was on your friend's podcast about a year ago or months ago. I can't remember, but, um, there's a lot of people. There's a couple of people down in Tennessee, a couple of people up in Ohio, one or two people here in Kentucky. So, um, good to have you here. Western mass turf. Yeah. You're not normal. <laughs> We're not very normal people. I definitely fit into that category. I'm not normal. Elevated landscapes. Anyway, welcome everybody. Okay, let's get into the results. Uh, the only interaction of treatments with sampling dates was detected for turf quality. The only significant interaction of treatments with years was for the water infiltration rate. Since no top dressing by mechanical biological method interactions or main effects of top dressing were detected in the study, only the main effects of mechanical biological methods were examined. So basically what they're saying is they didn't have all the interactions and because there was no interaction, they merged, they pulled things together so they had a stronger or greater ability to tell differences among treatments for those treatments that they that there were no interactions. Here we go. So thatch mat depth. So there's thatch mat depth 
in my opinion, is is critical. And then they, you also have like the, the organic matter, which kind of gives you an idea of like the density of the thatch mat to some degree. So you could have like a two inch thatch mat that has whatever x you know x density in a in a one inch thatch mat that has four x the density. And you might have more problems with the one 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 inch thatch mat than the two inch thatch. So the thatch mat is part of it, and they talk about organic matter in a minute. But anyway, thatch mat depth increased during the study for all treatments, but differences were not detected until December 2002. So <clears throat> nothing stopped thatch mat from growing. Okay. All treatments resulted in an increase in thatch mat depth, regardless of what it was. But we'll, he goes through this in a little bit and explains it in a little bit more in detail. Thatch mat depth was 25% greater for top dressing alone compared with untreated. Single mechanical biological methods used with top dressing had thatch mat depth similar to top dressing alone, but all combinations of mechanical methods reduced thatch mat depth in comparison to top dressing. So in other words, all of them increased, but when you're gonna, but you're gonna compare it just to top dressing, which is very common on putting greens. Very few people don't top dress either to maintain the the smoothness of the surface or to help dilute the top dressing or break down the top or the thatch or break down the, the the thatch. One way or the other, people are generally top dressing. So if you can compare it to top dressing, then the uh, the single mechanical biological methods used top dressing had had. The, Thatch, had thatch mat depths similar to top dressing alone, but all combinations of mechanical methods reduced the thatch mat compared to just top dressing. Okay, so core cultivation, vertical mowing twice annually and so forth, those things reduced it compared to just top dressing, but they did not reduce it compared to doing nothing. So here's all the combinations, core cultivation, grooming, core cultivation plus verticutting, core cultivation plus grooming plus verticutting, Reduced thatch mat depth 10, 16, and 18% respectively compared to top dressing alone. So if you're just top dressing, that's all you're doing, and you're developing a thatch, then these, uh, and you have newly seeded bent grass L93 in, in you know South Carolina, then those cultural management practices were shown to help reduce the thatch mat depth compared to just top dressing. The three combined cultivation or the core cultivation, grooming, and verticutting was more effective than uh, core cultivation or core coring or coring plus grooming by controlling thatch mat accumulation. Okay, so there is some value to those cult, core cultivations or the when I say core, I didn't mean the core verification. I meant like the the the, the general cultivation product um, processes that we use. If you're just top dressing. There will, there will have an influence on They did have an influence on thatch in this study. The um, thatch mat percent organic matter. Before treatment application, organic matter content of the thatch mat layer averaged 0.62%. Over the two-year study period, thatch mat percent organic matter content increased for all treatments, ranging from 53% for the coring, grooming, and verticutting treatments to 123% for the non-treated, but statistical differences among treatments were not detected. So what he's saying is simple, is that there was 
he's showing a percentage. Like this is what it was to begin with. This is what it was from this treatment percentage-wise. And this is what the increase was from that percentage-wise. But statistically, they didn't have any differences. Okay. So if there's no differences statistically, then there are no differences. You can't, you know, like I said, like I said before, you got to be careful how you write these things. Uh, let's continue here. I'm not sure why he even says that because... No, it says data not shown. Oh, there were no, we're not detected until December 2002. Okay, fair enough. So there weren't any differences on organic matter from those products or those treatments until the end of the study, essentially. If I'm reading that correctly, yeah. Until the very end of the study, in which that's what we see here in the organic matter table, in this table here. We do see the non treated had 1.38% organic matter. And the minimum significant difference is basically 0.3. So anything 1.1 or lower is going to be different than not doing anything. So the only thing that really did it was the yeah the core cultiv the core cultivation plus verticutting and the core grooming and verticutting those showed a reduction in the percent organic matter, but the other treatments. From if I can, if I'm reading this correctly, did did not. Oh, the now you can run the you can run the math on this. I'm not going to run the math on it, but basically there were very few differences from the organic matter, but there were a couple, and they generally were from the cultivation treatments or the treatments that contain the cultivation. Okay, we're going to continue the surface hardness. So generally speaking, superintendents want a firm surface. They don't want a soft surface. One, because when the ball's coming in at a certain speed and an angle and the force, it's going to hit that surface. If it's soft and it's going to plug in the surface or leave a huge divot. And two, generally speaking, softer surfaces are associated with slower greens. It's not always the case. But generally, supers and golfers, especially high-end golfers, like scratch golfers, they want a hard surface where they can, well, not a hard surface, but they, they want it firm basically so they can control the ball roll across the green they can predict where it's going to go and so forth i guess if you're a low low handicapper that's the case if you're a high handicapper maybe you want that green to be soft so the ball will stop on the green quicker but anyway surface hardness is generally preferred you know to a, to a certain degree surface hardness for top dressing alone vertical mowing grooming and thatch acts was similar to non-treated turf so they didn't have any effect on surface hardness. The four treatments that utilize core cultivation reduce surface hardness at an average of 19% compared with non-treated. But combining grooming or verticutting with cultivation did not provide additional benefits com compared with cultivation alone. So there were some treatments that softened it up and they had to do with um, core cultivation. So if you're coring it, it helps soften it up. So if you're looking to soften up your greens, core it. If the water infiltration, the, water, the effect of treatments on water infiltration rate differed for the two years. Treatments utilizing core cultivation provided the highest water infiltration rates. So again, core cultivation is increasing the, is increasing the softness and is increasing the, the water penetration. However, water infiltration rates for all other treatments except vertical mowing twice annually were considerably lower in 2002 to 2021, with reductions ranging from 20% for vertical mowing four times annually to 45% for the non-treated. Treatments that included core cultivation provided 
and 188% greater water infiltration than non-treated turf in 2001 and 2020. So core cultivation is the most influential on water infiltration. It was the most influential on surface hardness. I was going to show... Oh, real quick before I go to the next thing, is that the this table three, which if you're listening, it's the depth and percent organic matter content for thatch mat and surface hardness. This is at the end of the study, and the non-treated had 11 millimeter depth of thatch, and the LSD is basically a one. So anything 10 or less, um, yeah, 10 or less had an influence on thatch depth at the end of the study, and there's really nothing here. I don't see anything that influenced thatch depth. Okay, so thatch depth was not influenced. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't influenced by any of these things, including the biological thatch control agent. You won't want to miss the next study, <laughs> the next paper that they did on the on the well-established putting green. You, you won't want to miss that. It's It's funny. It's funny to me. Water infiltration rates, if you want to see those, those are in table four. The biological agent resulted in um, no influence the first year and no influence the second year in terms of water infiltration. So the biological thatch product did nothing in terms of water infiltration. The core cultivation, the ones containing core cultivation are what, what had the influence. We see it here, we see it here. Okay, where we see movement of water increased as a result of, the, of coring this, the, the putting green. All turf quality ratings were acceptable. So they had seven as the acceptable limit. All, all turf quality ratings were acceptable, uh, greater than seven, and ratings generally increased from March to October. Turf quality for top dressing alone, vertical grooming, uh, vertical mowing, grooming, and thatch eggs were similar to the untreated each month. So thatch X didn't do anything compared to not doing not doing anything. Okay, they're all acceptable. Wall roll distance was determined at 7, 14, 21 days. Da, da, da. The only difference, uh, so um, the only difference was detected at seven days when vertical mowing four times annually decreased ball roll. So vertical mowing decreased ball roll. The rest of them didn't do anything. And that's good. We, we want to increase ball roll. We don't want to de decrease ball roll. Top dressing has been recognized as an effective practice for controlling thatch by improving the microenvironment for thatch decomposition. However, other researchers have noted dilution rather than decomposition of thatch occurring occurs with top dressing, and the dilution effect is at least as important as accelerating biodegradation in controlling the problem associated with excessive thatch mat. Basically, what he's saying is top dressing is, is some people say it dilutes. Some people say the inter it increases the interaction between the thatch and the microbes in the soil. In this case, they're saying that there's both going on. Very likely. There's a dilution of the thatch, and there's an increase of the degradation of the thatch as a result of there being greater um, contact between the thatch and soil, where the microbes are. Okay, that's what they're saying. And those, they had some citations for that. In our study, creeping bent grass thatch production accelerated during the first two years following planting and top dressing alone was ineffective in controlling thatch development. Real straightforward. Top dressing didn't do it. Even though top dressing failed to prevent thatch mat accumulation in this study, water infiltration was 73% greater with top dressing alone compared with non-treated. So water infiltration increased even though thatch was not affected by top dressing. 
Vertical mowing. Neither two or four vertical mowings per year reduce the percent organic matter or thatch mat depth in this study. I'm not even going to go into it. So vertical mowing didn't do anything in this study. Um, <clears throat> the two, the, the one inch wide blade spacing used in our study apparently provided inadequate contact surface area to effectively remove the organic matter from the vertical mowing. This spacing was somewhat detrimental to the putting green surface as it reduced ball roll distance. So vertical, vertical, vertical cutting, vertical mowing didn't, it lo slowed things down and it didn't really do much to the thatch. Um, although uh, for grooming, although grooming aids and top dressing penetration aids and top dressing penetration of the turf grass canopy, grooming alone was ineffective at reducing depth of thatch mat layer or the percent again in there. So grooming didn't do anything. Vertical mowing didn't do anything. Let's look at core cultivation. Four annual core cultivations alone had no effect on controlling thatch mat accumulation. So just by itself, core cultivation didn't do anything. Um, Compared with non-treated, four annual cult core cultivations alone reduced the surface hardness and increased water infiltration. But core cultivation resulted in somewhat lower turf quality from June through October. Uh, this this Bonnell study noted that positive effect, but positive benefits of cultivation for mitigating soil compaction, increasing water infiltration, and promoting the release of soil carbon dioxide. Soil compaction in putting greens, especially USJ spec putting greens, is is boring. I mean, it doesn't exist hardly ever. I mean, the, 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 the USGA spec putting green is designed for basically one reason to grow grass on non-compacted soils. Not, it's not a soil, it's a rooting zone. So you're not going to have compaction on a USGA uh, spec putting green. You may have compaction on the top little layer where the thatch is and the mat is. You got to break that up, which core cultivation will do. But when you talk about compaction, and for a soil scientist, we're talking about bulk density, the increasing of the bulk density of the soil. And um, for, so compaction to me is, is that, and core cultivation will, will help that. But in a putting green, it's, we don't really need to worry about that. I'd be more concerned about the, the removal of the top area of the mat and the thatch that is resulting in a similar response as compacted soils, meaning there's not a lot of air movement um, because of that mat and that thatch. But the soil compaction is, you know, moot. Using the manufacturer's recommendation, oh, here's a biological, biological thatch control products, okay? You want to have a red flag of a, of a grifter. There's a lot of key phrases they like to use. One of them is biological, biological thatch control. I'm not saying they're wrong, but that's a red flag. You know, when they come in on oh, biological thatch control is going to do this, you know, that's, um, should be a trigger word. You should go, Oh, oh, oh listen up. Let's see what, see what he says. <laughs> because we, right now we haven't seen much of anything happen with biological thatch control. So biological thatch control, let's see what happens. Using the manufacturer's recommended rate, timing, and frequency, Thatch X did not prevent thatch mat accumulation in this study. Straightforward, pretty simple guys. Didn't find anything in this study on, on newly seeded bent grass putting greens. We will find something on the next one on, on the putting green that is established, okay? <laughs> so don't miss that one. We will find 
that Thatch X does have an influence on established L93 putting greens. Okay? So don't miss that. It's not what you think. <laughs> so, but we didn't see anything happen on the putting green as it's establishing. The Lidabor and Scogli paper, which we talked about in 67, concluded that three biological treatments provided no decrease of thatch. So there's one of the first, one of the first studies we went over. Didn't find anything. Murdoch and Barr also observed that a commercial microorganism inoculum evaluated in common Bermuda grass provided no evidence of reducing thatch over five months. So here's another study showing nothing. Dr. Barrett was on here. Lee was on here and talked about his study. There was an influence, but he said clearly that we couldn't really tell whether or not it was from, you know, what, what component of the product resulted in the reduction. We, he couldn't tell. In other words, it was the product. It wasn't known what it was in the product that did it because it contained more than just biological stuff. So, and he was on there and he explained that. So that's fun. Coming to the conclusions. Within the first two years of establishment, increases in percent organic matter content ranged from 53% for the coring, grooming, and verticutting combinations, okay, to 123% for non-treated turf and no treatment prevented thatch mat accumulation. Okay, so thatch mat accumulation continued one way or the other. Compared with top dressing alone, only the most aggressive combination treatments that utilized core cultivation four times annually and vertical mowing twice annually reduced percent organic matter content. I'm going to come back to that in a second. The aggressive management treatment, however, resulted in turf scalping. Top dressing increased depth of thatch mat layering, apparently through a dilution effect rather than organic matter decomposition. Treatments utilizing core cultivation greatly increased water infiltration rates and reduced surface hardness. So the, I want to make sure we're clear, compared with not with top dressing alone. So if you're just top dressing, the, the only, only the most aggressive combination of coring and vertical mowing twice and reduced the percent organic matter content. So I've said this before a week or whatever it was ago. There's a company in Northwest Florida called Thatchman, And when he comes in to dethatch your lawn, he, he's not playing games. He comes in and he means business. He comes in with some serious equipment. He comes in with trailers and a lot of guys and he removes a lot of tissue. Okay. And what this is saying is only the most aggressive coring and vertical, vertical mowing was the one that resulted in a reduction in organic matter content. None of them resulted in a reduction in thatch depth, but the organic matter content, only that one was the one that re resulted in, um, in a reduction in organic matter compared to top dressing. Okay. So when it comes to mechanical removal of thatch, you can't mess around. I mean, it kind of depends on how, how bad it is to begin with, but you can't go in there and, and goof around and play games. You got you better mean business. You get in there and and start ripping it out, start tearing it out, uh, and that's what it's going to take in many cases to really see um, any meaningful reduction, even uh, you know practically or scientifically, you know any meaningful reduction in the thatch depth or the organic matter of the thatch. You really got to mean business. Fiddle faddling around with little organic products and biological products and you know bugs in a jug that's 
that's silly, guys. I mean, we haven't seen any evidence to support any of that unless it contains a lay case. And unless it's applied at the right rate of lay case, which we're going to talk about in depth on Wednesday and Thursday, hopefully those two authors will explain to us, because I don't know either, explain to us what exactly is going on with this enzyme. So um, that's what I hope to get out of the Wednesday and Thursday conversations with the two authors. Um, but don't play games with that. Just get in there and, and if you've got a problem and it's causing some reduction in turf quality or you, 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 let's say you've done it once, you did it two or three years ago and, and it resulted in a good quality and you're just trying to maintain it now. You're not going in there as a, as a, as a, a reactive solution. You're trying to be proactive and maintain a reduction in thatch over time. Try to keep it at a, at a manageable level. That's, that's what your goal is. Don't play games. You know, go in there and and get some muscle in there and start ripping it out and get you know whether it's core aerifying or in this case it's vertical mowing and well, it was vertical mowing and and core aerification. You know, there's you know there's ways to remove it um, mechanically, but don't do it lightly. Get in there and really, it's turf. It'll grow back. Just let your let your homeowner know it's going to look like crap for about a week or two. It's tall fescue or it's bluegrass or whatever it is. It's zoysia grass. It's, it's going to look pretty bad, but the intent is to have it, you know, it's, it's sick. It, you know, your kid's sick. It's going to feel bad for a week or so, but we're going to give it some medication. We're going to give it some treatment. It's going to pop back and it's going to be better. And if you communicate that in some way that's, you know, understandable by your clientele, maybe they'll uh, understand it and work with you. So that's my take on that study. So tomorrow I'll post the video time tomorrow, uh, soon here today. But I would expect it to start at 9 a.m. because of my, my situation at the school I have to go to. Okay, so tomorrow at 9 a.m., Wednesday at 9 p.m. with an author, and then Thursday at 10 a.m. Uh, look for any of the, the content um, on any of the podcasting platforms now. I think we're up on pretty much everything. So if you want to just listen to it and hang out and listen rather than, have, rather than watch, you can, you can do that on any of your uh, favorite podcasting platforms as well. Okay, guys, appreciate it. For those um, coming, participating in the lawn. Um, oh, wait, let me let me read the chat. Okay, so Polo says, you were on with Cam and Turf. Yeah, the, the we work in live stream. I was unavailable for the stream because of me working. I'm from Louisville. So, oh, yeah. Okay, great, Polo. So you're 67 miles away in Louisville. I go, I go to Louisville once a month, once every two months. My wife has some friends up there that, at the uh, University of Louisville that we go up and hang out with. Um, maybe sometime we can cross paths. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't realize so many people were, were close to me. So good, good to know you're, you're nearby. Anyway, guys, I'll see you all tomorrow, probably at 9am until then be kind. See ya. Bye.